We hope you've been enjoying the episode so far. Excuse the background noise on this one in particular. With everyone working from home recently, housemates, children and spouses have a way of let's say, making their way onto certain episodes. We've tried to minimise it as much as we can, but there is some interruption at times. We hope you enjoy the episode. This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Abigail Daniels is the head of PR EMEA at TransferWise, one of the fastest-growing profitable tech companies in the world. She has responsibility for telling TransferWise's story in their biggest markets with key countries including the UK, France, Germany, Spain and the UAE. Abigail Daniels, welcome to Clientside. Thank you very much for having me. You graduated from the University of St Andrews in 2007 in English Literature. What did you think you were going to do with your degree at that time? Uh, actually, I'm one of the rare people who always plan to go into PR. So um, hmm. from from university, yeah, I was always dead set on a career in PR. Um, but I suppose probably different, less of the B2B uh, that we're talking about today. I was actually really keen to pursue a, sort of a luxury travel or luxury brand type PR and did lots of work experience um, through uni in that sector. And then, yeah, came to fintech bit later on. For a long time you really wanted to become a journalist. How come you didn't end up going ahead with the plan? <laughs> yeah, so before uni I um I worked with the BBC as a young reporter. Um it was a kind of I guess it was an internship. Um I did I did with them for a year reporting on local youth events in the Cambridgeshire region and it, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And I, I actually noticed last time I was at the BBC that they're still running this programme and would hugely encourage um, uni students to go for it. But yeah, I, I found it really tough. It was, um, the spotlight is very much you in, on you in that kind of broadcast arena. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of pressure to get a lot of stories out. And um, also I think, you know, when you're kind of young and you're working your way up, you don't necessarily have a huge amount of con control about what you're writing about. Mm -hmm. And it's all kind of very much dictated by the kind of publication that you're working for. So um, I, I knew that I definitely wanted to work in an arena telling stories in the press, um, but I, I pivoted to PR a bit later on. You, you worked at two stellar agencies, Hotwire PR and Fishburne, before joining TransferWise. What did you learn at those agencies that you're now using at your current role at TransferWise? Um, so I joined Hotwire um, in their fintech team, and that was back in 2011 when fintech was uh, not so much of a thing mm. as it is now. Mm. Uh, it was very, very niche. And actually, I had very much been pursuing this kind of luxury sector um, type of PR, and I was a little bit disgruntled to end up in the fintech team, to say the least. <laughs> I actually remember phoning their HR um manager a really nice lady and kind of saying oh were there any opportunities to be in consumer or, right. or something a bit more interesting right. and she was like trust me fintech is, is a growing sector and you're and, gonna love it right and you were like no way what is this fintech thing <laughs> and actually um i really quickly started to love working with startups with higher growth companies with mm. companies that were looking to disrupt their sectors mm. and um yeah i'm really grateful to Hotwire for what, what it kind of gave me on that front and mm. 
it was a payments by results agency, which was pretty unusual at the time. I think there's a few more of those around now. Interesting. Yeah, so it was literally, um, you know, if your client's retainer is £7,000 a month, it was split up into cost for a press release, cost for a media opportunity. Huh. Um, and so it just made us all really, really good hustlers. <laughs> had, to, had to earn your keep, definitely. Exactly, exactly. Super interesting. And then, um, yeah, I moved on to Fishburn Hedges, which was more of a traditional corporate style agency, much bigger brands. You know, Shell was a huge client, RBS, Barclays, etc. And um, so that kind of working on a more traditional retainer model there, I guess I learned a bit more of the strategic um, approach to PR and um, how to kind of have a, a longer term plan and implement that and be a bit closer to a company's business objectives. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about TransferWise. Uh, as you said, they launched in 2011 when fintech wasn't even really a thing. You had no interest in, in being in the fintech team. Uh, how, how, it's amazing how things have changed over the last few years. TransferWise is definitely uh, one of the leading lights in the fintech space or one of the amazing stories uh, to come out of the, um, the fintech landscape. Talk a little bit about where TransferWise is today and what problems do you solve for your clients? Um, cool. So today, TransferWise is a 2,000-person company. Um, we send £4 billion on behalf of our customers across borders every month. And it's a company with a real purpose, um, which I realise is a bit of a buzzword in PR right now, marketing, but is very much really the case at TransferWise. Hmm. Um, we're on a mission to make money move around the world as fast and as cheap as email. So we don't see why uh, it needs to, it's literally just bits and bytes, right? So we're driving down costs in the industry and we're also being a, bringing a lot of transparency to an industry which um, typically has resulted on very high margins and you know been a very profit-making industry for the big banks. Um, we're kind of disrupting that and flipping it on its head. Super, super interesting. The the money transfer space is a com very competitive one. MoneyGram, Western Union, and the traditional banks being the uh, the main players or the incumbent banks. What what makes TransferWise different, special, stand out? Yeah, for sure. And it's always been a very crowded space, actually. Even, you know, at launch, lots of those players were around back then. And lots of them are still doing really amazing work, actually, and maybe slightly different focus areas um, to transferwise. But what has been kind of the secret of our success is this focus on transparency. So if you want to make an international money transfer with your regular bank, um, they might tell you that it's free. They might tell you that it just costs five pounds. Uh, 10 pounds, something like that. 0% commission is another phrase that you see a lot hmm. for these services. In reality, they're charging you a huge extra proportion in a marked up exchange rate. Sometimes that's really the bulk of the whole fee. Hmm. Um, could be up to sort of five, 6% of the transfer amount of what you're sending. Um, we, we think that's no good for the customer. How can you compare prices between providers based on that model that relies that puts a lot of onus on the customer to make those comparisons to get their calculator out and figure out um, how much they're really spending. So we have all of our transfers are sent at the real exchange rate. Our fee is always shown up front. And it just 
helps people know how much they're really spending. And that's that's so important, right? I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself getting money out at the airport or whatever, at the travel mm. agent for your holiday. Mm. Um, I'm sure you probably struggled to understand how much you were really being charged. Exactly for right. So from a comms perspective, what are the biggest business challenges that you now face as a company and, and how are agencies helping you solve those challenges? So our biggest challenge has always been, uh, from a comms perspective, this issue of communicating to people how much they're really being charged for the service that we offer, um, you know, by the incumbent banks. And that was our biggest challenge in 2011 when TransferWise launched and, it, and it's still the same today. Um, and we work with agencies in a number of ways to help educate consumers about this problem. Um, on creative briefs. Um, this is something that we're doing in, in Europe a lot. And last year, we worked with an agency on a creative with Gemma Collins, uh, the TOWIE, hmm. TOWIE superstar, right. to help people understand um, exchange rate markups and 0% commission and some, some of those terms and what they really mean. Um, but we also work with agencies a lot internationally just to localize these messages um, and to understand the competitive environment and how that differs by by region. So yeah, PR agencies are really, really integral to um, to our growth and to helping educate people about this problem. Super fascinating. So do you think that the um, traditional institutions, the banking institutions, the financial institutions intentionally make their pricing schemes um, hard to decipher and hard to understand for the consumer, you would assume that that would be to their benefit because the consumer isn't able to compare easily among the different providers. Um, so talk a little bit about about that and sort of how are you as a startup, really, as a challenger, overcoming that? Because that's probably something that is uh, endemic within the industry. Yeah, I think the answer to that is, um, in some cases, yes, I do think um, incumbents are deliberately pricing in a way that is um, intransparent and confusing to people. And I think you know, that's really shown when you see stuff like 0% commission or free, mm. and then actually quite a big, a big charge in the, hidden within that exchange rate. And the fact is, you know, we, we shouldn't be so afraid of saying that these financial services cost money, right? Mm. Um, your bank isn't really giving you free free banking. Your current account isn't really free for you mm. to use. You're being charged in loans and overdrafts sure. and, you know, in, in other ways. Sure. Um, and I think sometimes that because the whole industry has got to this point where they're all saying things are very low cost and these services are free or nearabouts, um, it's kind of made it harder for people to then be transparent about the true costs. Interesting. Because then consumers, you know, because there's no one set standard sure. of pricing in the industry, it makes um, it even harder for consumers to know which which provider to turn to. So, yeah, I think it, it is really hard and it's been tough as a startup to break through that noise. Um, I think we're lucky in lots of ways. One Lots of people who send money abroad very often are actually pretty wise to this stuff and are becoming increasingly so. And so uh, lots of our early adopters at TransferWise didn't necessarily fit that young tech savvy mold that you might have thought of. They're actually maybe older people that transfer their pension every month 
and notice that they're always being stung by those prices every month and less is arriving than it should do. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we've got a very loyal customer base at TransferWise and, you know, on the more educated end of the industry. Um, but really at a policy level is where we'll see the changes. We've got a really fantastic government relations team at TransferWise who've been lobbying very hard um, for changes to regulations to bring more transparency to the industry. And in uh, 2018, we had a huge win at a European level where the EU mandated that for intra-EU uh, international payments, they would always have to show the exchange rate markup transparently. So that was a massive, massive change for us. And we're, we're kind of lobbying for those changes on an international level now. Hmm. You you said earlier that you're working with a, a PR agency to help you with um, some of the communications work that you're that you're doing. Uh, selecting an agency partner is one of the most important decisions that any client can make. It's very easy to pick up the phone on the spot and hire a new agency. It's far more difficult to find an ideal partner to reshape your approach to marketing or, or communications and really propel the brand forward. What's the best way of choosing and selecting? A new agency to work with oh it's um it can be a tough one you know and i wouldn't say that we've necessarily cracked this but i think we've got a, a good process which has resulted in some really long-standing relationships um at this point so i think number one is being really clear what you're using the agency for so we use agencies across emir for primarily three reasons at transferwise number one is creativity so that's usually on a project basis because it's pretty hard to uh, demand creativity from the same agency every month. Um, and then, you know, that outside perspective is really, really valuable for us from that because I have to say I'm kind of running low on my own ideas <laughs> for this hidden fees problem after five years. Sure. <laughs> um, to people on the ground where we don't have a presence, so we often need arms and legs to deliver in a new market. We're growing very, very quickly. Um, we don't have time to hire those skills in-house. So we need local media contacts and hustle and all of that good stuff from agencies on the ground. Um, and then also filling a knowledge gap. So that could be that local market knowledge that I mentioned, but you know, it can also be sort of subject areas that we don't have in-house and don't have as much of. So. Yeah, I think in onboarding a new agency partner, some of the mistakes that I saw when I was agency side was maybe clients not being that clear on which of those three mm. briefs they needed the agency to fill. Um, so I, I try to be very, very clear up front. And then we look, we actually do a lot of time kind of looking through awards submissions um, mm. and winners. We look at the trade press for the case studies that go in there. And we try to select um, agencies to come in and pitch who have done similar kinds of work before. And actually, it's often not for very similar clients. Mm. So Interesting. Um, Intentionally? A little, a little bit, yeah. Mm. I think a lot of people out there are sort of specialists in startup types of PR. Um, and I think that that does really, really well for a younger company than, than TransferWise, you know, sort of startup launch type PR. But actually, we have big ambitions at this point. 
And so I'm quite interested in work that's been done for, you know, PepsiCo and some of the Mm. bigger names out there. Um, or, Or more just kind of, you know, often it's just bigger, high growth companies that are a few years on on their growth journey than we are, rather than other small up and coming firms. Sure. Okay. Super interesting. Um, so I guess you would then need a, an agency that is able to grow with you and take you on that journey from a startup to a mid-sized company to a more of a mature company, which is, I guess, where you would say that transfer is now, being that you started in, in, in 2011. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for you to sort of <laughs> tell me where um, transfer-wise is, is in its evolution. But in that case, do you need, is it, is it important that the agency is able to kind of grow with you on that journey? Or do you need a different type of agency, depending on where you are in your own growth journey? Um, I think the ideal is to find those agencies that can grow with you. Um, And I think we've been quite lucky to have achieved that in lots of um, markets at the moment. But yeah, it, it can be tough. I'm actually, especially on this creativity point where we do a lot of projects, I'm actually kind of okay with working with agencies on a relatively short-term basis, as long as everybody knows up front that that's kind of what the brief is. Mm. Um, but yeah, for, for, for the local market knowledge point, it would, we do look maybe to the sort of more mid-size agencies rather than the, than the startup agencies because mm. they have that capacity to, to grow. And in those competitive pitch situations, you mentioned um, a, a couple of agencies maybe pitching slightly different work that they've done with slightly different types of uh, clients. When it's close in a pitch and it comes down to the last two or three agencies, what usually makes a difference in your mind? Oh, good question. I think two things. One is when they show a really good, solid understanding and actually a belief in the company mission and our values and what we're trying to do. There is so much resource available online for people researching that topic about TransferWise. Hmm. So if people don't show that, but they but they have done good work, it can be a bit frustrating because you feel like, okay, there's a lot there available. Hmm. Um, and then number two is actually... Um, I'm often looking at the kind of account manager or senior exec level people on the team because I know that although I'm always very, very wowed by senior agency people when they come in the room, actually, I realize that my day-to-day relationship will often be with that account manager. Mm. So I'm kind of looking at them and thinking, is this somebody that is going to, TransferWise is going to be a priority for them? Mm. Super interesting. Yeah, that's that's a concern that, that a lot of clients have. Uh, a lot of large agencies especially come in and pitch with the A team, but then deliver with the B or the, or the C team. Um, and that's obviously something that needs to be guarded against. So as much as agencies would love to hold on to their clients forever, the reality is that clients replace agencies with increasing regularity. Um, I'm interested to know what your views on this are what's the most common reasons why that happens and what can good agencies do to shield themselves or protect themselves? Yeah, I think, I mean, I saw this a lot from agency side as well before TransferWise and um, yes, it is frustrating, right? When it kind of comes to the end of the relationship. 
Um, I actually think a lot of the time it can just be due to either agency team changes or internal team changes and that that's kind of okay and that there shouldn't be so many hard feelings in, in those processes. Um, sometimes you just have a great person on your agency team and when you know they really, really get it and they deliver really well and then that person moves on um, or doesn't have the time to give you and you, know, you end up kind of looking further afield and that's okay. Um, they've still done a great job for you historically, hmm. you know, and I would still give that agency a great sort of, uh, if anyone to, were to ask, I would still have very high praise for them. Hmm. Um, I think it's more frustrating when the agency stops delivering. Hmm. Um, and we, we do see that sometimes. Um, and I think part of it is just this managing expectations point. So it's for the client to manage expectations on the brief, but also for the agency to manage expectations on what they can realistically deliver. Um, and also to, to be aware that those, that brief and how they can deliver against it might be changing and evolving mm. over time. Um, something I've experienced a few times is maybe agencies sort of exaggerating their contact book um, and then failing to deliver against that. And I think we've all seen those pitch decks, right? With like a, <laughs> like a mocked up front front of the business page at the Guardian, you know, right. or the Telegraph sure. or whatever. Sure. And then they've, they've kind of superimposed a story, like a really run-of-the-mill story is the top story oh, on I the see. front of the business page. Yeah. And you think, well... <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> see through it. pretty high expectations at sure. this point. Sure, super <laughs> So you've got to be able to back that up. Super interesting. What, so, so then what is your approach to communicating something that you're unhappy with uh, with, your, with your client? Because some, some clients are quite open and upfront with things that upset them or that they don't like quite quickly. And I think often the agency would like that. They'd like to know quite early so that they could do something about it. Other clients stay silent uh, for a long time, giving the agency a suspicion that something might be wrong, but they've just got no idea. What's your approach to communicating something you're unhappy with? Oh, I really hope that I fall into the upfront. That's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a really tough one. Um, I think it's important to be upfront up about these things and to give people a chance to change the way that they work kind of for you. Um, all clients are different and it's, you know, what an agency might be doing that's working really well for somebody else maybe doesn't necessarily work for you. And it's kind of okay to flag that and to have that conversation. And it's also a respect point as well. Like you as the client have got to give the agency the opportunity to work at the best of their potential. And they can only do that if you're kind of constantly giving them feedback sure. along the way. And feedback is, that's how we operate as an internal team at TransferWise. So it shouldn't be any different with the agencies who are really the extension of your team as mm. well. Um, so yeah, I, I do try to be very upfront um, and to give that feedback as and when it happens. It's the age old, you know, nothing new should come up in your performance review at the end of the year. Mm. It should all be stuff that you've discussed along the way mm, super interesting so so if the agency is paid on the basis of time and materials 
tracking time accurately becomes super important and a growing number of agencies now completely rebel against timesheet reporting and while it might be good for some professions like lawyers etc um, a lot of agencies argue that it's not really right for marketing pr and advertising folks and many agencies still feel that the compensation shouldn't be based on activity level it should be instead based on performance or value allowing them to generate additional revenue when they meet or exceed expectations what do you think about that oh god i mean this is the biggest question in the industry isn't it really mm. and as i said i've had this experience of working for a payment by results agency mm. which actually did extremely well under that model and um, it was hugely hugely attractive to lots of startups in particular who you know really wanted to be able to feel that their agencies were delivering value and to see literally every penny against the mm. the kind of result and mm. um, I wouldn't say that's the ideal model for the agency or, or for the client, actually, in the longer term. Um, I think something that works really well for us is actually these project retainers where there are very clear deliverables um, on both sides. And I think if a similar level of planning about deliverables um, against hours went into the retainers, as it does into a project um, fee, then I think that both agencies and clients would be much happier. Um, because I think where you often come unstuck is when an agency feels like they've put hundreds and hundreds of hours into mm. your account, but mm. you as the client haven't necessarily seen the value delivered against that. Mm. Um, and you know, part of that can be poor management on the client side. Part of it can be that, you know, you hadn't necessarily iterated as you went along and you found that um, it was much harder to deliver the results that you were expecting to. Um, so sort of taking that on a quarter by quarter basis, um, I, I can I can see that that might make everybody a bit happier. Hmm. Super, super interesting. And then and then talk a little bit about I mean, you you talked about expectation levels um, earlier when choosing an agency and, and making sure that everyone's expectations are set at the right level. A lot of that comes from creating, having a really clear brief at the beginning of the engagement with the agency. Um, and that exponentially increases the, the work or the value that the agency can deliver. Talk a little bit about what your approach is to creating really good briefs that really just sets everyone's expectations clearly up front and allows the agency to deliver value. Cool. So a lot, when I was um, working agency side, a lot of the time I had a pretty decent understanding of what the client was looking for from a PR result. So basically coverage in particular kinds of media. What I didn't always have a great understanding of was the business and how those PR results translated against the business objectives and goals. So I think that um, the number one thing that, that it's really important that the client does and that the agency asks for is to have a really thorough sort of induction to the business, where it's at financially, what its growth goals are, um, and how it's mapping against them. And then to work together to collaborate on a PR strategy um, and sort of objectives that fit nicely beneath that. Um, I think that that 
stage is too often missed and is something that we found really, really important and mm. transfer wise. Um, I also think that it's important to set the appetite for risk. Um, so the client needs to be a bit self-aware here and know what they can realistically sell internally and what they can't. And I think a lot of clients out there are sort of pitching in, um, you know, they're sending out briefs that are for quite high risk campaigns that in reality, they know they're never actually going to be able to get over the line internally. So I think mm. we all need to be a bit more um, self-aware about what our thresholds are on that point. Mm. Um, and then I think being a bit clearer on what good looks like in a market and giving examples, particularly if you know, you're in the setup that I am where we have the whole of EMEA. So being a bit clearer on what's happening on other markets and how those approaches can be adapted um, for newer markets that we might be moving into and how agencies can work together and to collaborate to use resources. Hmm. Super fascinating. Um, Abby, we're, we're just getting towards the end of the interview now and uh, I'll ask a last, the last few questions before we get into our speed round, uh, the more fun questions towards the back end of the show. Uh, we're in the midst of the corona virus epidemic uh, and leadership is at the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment uh, both what clients are doing or what brands are doing to sort of lead their employees and themselves um, so leadership has never really been more at the forefront than what it is right now what would you say are the qualities of a successful leader so um I would probably take this from Tarva and Krista, who are the founders of TransferWise and who I both hugely, hugely admire. Um, for them, it's it's having a really clear vision, setting goals against that vision and then being able to take your team on that journey with you. Um, and then hiring a great team that you trust and that you can empower to have some autonomy to deliver on that, that vision that you're all working towards. Um, that's... That's really the leadership that we have at TransferWise and that's something that we're all striving to achieve. Hmm. Super, super fascinating. Let, let's get into um, everyone's favorite questions at the end of the interview. I'm going to fire some short, sharp questions at you. If you can fire some back, that would be even better. Um, now, are agencies a luxury or a necessity? Um, it would be crazy to think that we could do something in-house that we're farming out to external providers. What makes agencies so valuable to their clients? Um, I think they're a necessity. Yeah, I don't think they're a luxury. Although I guess right now during coronavirus, um, it will depend on the, the business situation. But for us, absolutely essential to get that outside perspective, creative thinking, local knowledge, all that good stuff. What's the single thing you love about working with agencies or like? Um, what do you dislike about working with agencies? Um, I really like working with really smart, on-the-ball teams um, that are interested in pushing the boundaries and trying something new. And that's what our agencies, they, they fulfill that brief. And things you don't like? <laughs> the the standard over promise under deliver right. is not yeah. popular with me <laughs> how do you how do you best harmonize your work and personal life i mean we're we're constantly being pulled in a million different different directions um in peacetime not not right now we're 
people have a little bit more time on their hands. But uh, when life goes back to normal, how do you balance work and personal life? And what are the biggest challenges you have around that? Yeah, this is a big challenge for me, um, particularly at an international company like Transferwise, where yeah, as soon as you get up 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, you have a load of messages overnight from Asia and the U.S. Sure. <laughs> Later on in the evening, yeah, U.S. comes online and then sure. you have that. So um, I think being pretty clear about keeping those boundaries on working hours um, and just the typical thing of... Um, when you get home from work, trying to leave, I, I tend to come home, put my phone on charge in my bedroom and then come into the living room and the kitchen and, and spend a few hours away from it. Mm. Um, it's not always easy, but that's that's kind of my approach. Um, and then another thing for me is very much doing my exercise in the morning before work. Otherwise, mm. it's just not going done. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> You're an early riser. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Yeah. Get, get stuff done in the, in, in the early part of the day. Me too. Uh, what excites you most about your current role and position? Um, making a real change in the industry. That's an easy one. Super fascinating. And Abigail, my final question, what's the single biggest thing that you would like to achieve that you've yet to achieve in your career? Um, making the issue that we're solving at TransferWise a front page issue. Like we've had some big successes along the way, but um, we're still still waiting for everybody to know about about these hidden fees. So we've got a long road ahead. Absolutely fascinating, Abigail Daniels. Thank you for being on Client Side. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear on the show, please email Millie at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Millie Bell and Natasha Rosich, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.